0: Books with Aaron and Polly. I'm Aaron. And I'm Polly. Welcome back. And hey, Paul, it's not a crowded room today.
1: I know. Everyone abandoned me. us this week. What the hell? Bastards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it's because you need a shower.
1: It probably is, and I, th- I do.
0: I, do. I, think, I think you're working on a two-day stink over there, aren't you?
1: Yeah. I, you know, I turned 30 on Thursday, so that might explain it. You know, I've been binging since then.
0: Happy birthday, Paul. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Are you stress eating?
1: Yeah. Actually, I had some Chick-fil-A this
0: morning. That was very nice. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. We were, uh, you know, it's Saturday morning, which is when uh, Paul and I record, and was sitting there having coffee with the wife this morning, and she made me go in and make breakfast. I don't know, what, what the hell's up with that? Exactly. Exactly. I was like, I, I am prepping for my very important podcast. And uh, she said, you know, get in there and make my breakfast, bitch. And so nice. that's what I did. I went in there and made the breakfast. <laughs>
1: You know, um, my wife looks over at me this morning and she's like, do you want me to go get breakfast? Well, yeah, sure. <laughs> this is like the first time you volunteered ever because so, it's usually, Hey, why don't you go get us some breakfast? But she knew that I had to prepare for the podcast, I guess, or maybe that I was, you know, still
0: recovering from last night. So uh what happened last night? Paul, did you get your drink a little bit? Is that what you did?
1: I did. I did a little bit. Went out with some friends, and um, yeah, it was it was it was a, a good night.
0: Oh, good, good. What did you drink? A lot. When when, when Paul <laughs> when, when the Paul Meister goes out and he's drinking with friends, what is Paul's drink?
1: Paul's drink is rum and coke, uh-huh. or rum and diet coke. Uh-huh. Um, but it was followed up by some beer and some absinthe.
0: Uh yeah. You like the absinthe, do you?
1: You know. I like it on occasion, uh-huh. um, and the place where we go has a little um, – they serve it with like a little fountain thing that drips the water uh-huh. onto the sugar cube, so the sugar cube melts into the absinthe. It's very cool. It's like a little experience. It's not just a drink. <laughs> it's not a drink. It's an experience.
0: An experience. Well, you know what? I think that's what most alcoholics say, Paul.
1: Yeah, I would say so, if, if I could remember what I said.
0: Well, <laughs> I was, we had my uh, office Christmas party, not the office Christmas party, our department Christmas party yesterday. And, yeah. uh, you know, in the gift exchange, I re- was the recipient of a bottle of 12 year old single malt Glen Levitt. Wow. A little tear came to my eye. Someone was, was good to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've been a good boy this year.
1: So, uh, that, that $10 limit was, uh,
0: <laughs> not strictly enforced, was it? <laughs> you know, there were several people in the room, uh, who received gifts in excess of the, uh, of the, of the limit, and I was one of them. And fortunately, I gave one of them as well. So, you know, I wasn't like a schmuck who, who gave somebody a, you know, a $10 gift card and I got the really cool bottle of scotch. So. <laughs> uh,
1: so you didn't give that $10 gift card to 7 Eleven or,
0: or,
1: uh, what's the, you know, whatever the drugstore across the street is?
0: Yeah, no, no, I did not.
1: Here's right Aid, ten dollar gift store to the gift card to the uh,
0: cafeteria
1: at work. <laughs> it was really kind of a slow week for comic books. Yes, it was. I spent get this drum roll eighteen dollars this week after sixty dollars for each of the past two weeks. So I was happy, but you know I, I was kind of bummed when I was able to finish my comic reading in an hour.
0: Well, I, my my price tag I think came to fourteen, but I wound up throwing a trade paper back in there, so you know I came out at like twenty nine. <laughs> <laughs> like
1: ah ah, not I need to spend more.
0: Well, it, it was hysterical because I was like, well, you know, my pile is kind of light. I've got room to accommodate a trade.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know it's funny because I really don't. If you think about it, I spent I have spent my comic budget in the first two weeks of this month. Already. Yeah. But it's like, "Eh, well, you know, my comic budget needs to change for 2010. If I'm going to continue reading at the rate in which I have been reading.
0: (laughs) So you're going to need an increase in your comic budget. You're going to have to run that by Congress.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to uh, (laughs) submit a little form and, you know, just like in the movies, just kind of hide it in a stack of forms. There you go. It's like Legally Blonde. My life is like Legally Blonde.
0: I have often said that about you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I'm I'm I, I am I, I fancy myself a young um what's her
0: face. Well, I have often thought of you as a young what's her face. What is that girl's name now? They <laughs> can thinking Reese, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, okay. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> a young What's Her Face. Yeah, what's her face? Reese uh, What's Her Face. I woke up at three thirty this morning. Ouch. Rich, and and couldn't get back to sleep. And so I had ordered um Wolverine on Netflix. And had watched the first maybe 20 minutes of it last week. Mm. I I, I, I only got a chance to watch 20 minutes of it last week. And and so when I finished what I was watching, I was like, you know, I don't know why everyone's so hard on that movie. That's actually pretty good, you know. And then I watched the last however much of it was left this morning. And that movie is terrible. (laughs) I mean, that movie is terrible, Paul.
1: Really, it kind of falls apart in the last half hour, I think. Up until the last half hour, it's
0: not half bad. I think it falls apart the minute they give him the adamantanium.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I would say so. I,
0: and that's where it turns into a bad movie, because up to that point, I was like, this is pretty good. But, you know, it was one that started going, you know, balls-to-the-wall action movie, where the whole thing just comes apart. Yeah, because,
1: I mean, you've got absolutely – awful acting it's like everyone just kind of turned off after that scene
0: yeah well and there are some poses that uh you know wolverine adopts in the movie that you know look so cool in the comic book and when you see it on a live person you're like what the hell is he doing (laughs) you know for instance there's this one scene where um and suddenly i'm uh hugh jackman uh is calling out a saber tooth you know victor and so, you know, Victor! And he's, he's kind of crouched and his arms are, are splayed up, you know, high over his shoulders, you know, and he's, he's got the claws out. And again, that looks really cool on the comic book page, looks ridiculous on the screen. <laughs> <clears throat> and then his claws, the special effects on his claws were terrible. They looked like he was wearing those things you buy at Target. You yeah. know, they, they look like the little Wolverine gloves that you buy at Target. I mean, they just looked terrible. I, I, and, and, and all the all the green screen work. Oh, at the
1: end was awful.
0: Yeah, and and why did they need to be on Three Mile Island? Why did that fight need to occur? I mean, I understand that you know no one's going to look for you there, but all of a sudden Wolverine climbs to the top of the silo for the big fight. Mm-hmm. What was the point of that? Falling's not going to kill any of those people.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bit odd, you know. And then you have um, at the end the guy is it Striker?
0: Striker. Stryker.
1: Yeah, she's like continue walking until your feet bleed, and then. Keep walking, Keep going. and I'm, you know, and then they show him at the end, and the army picks him up on the side of the road, and all I'm thinking is, but they're on an island. <laughs> D- did he walk across water? <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I guess you can't. You really cannot think much at all while watching that movie.
0: Oh, uh, that that movie was, ju- I mean, just awful. And don't get me wrong, I love Hugh Jackman. Uh, I think
1: he, you know, I think he gave it his best. Um, but you know, it, one man cannot carry a comic book movie like that. He just couldn't overcome everything
0: else that was bad about it. I think the, I think the problem with that movie is kind of like in the Elektra movie. There were too many characters. It, it lost its way in telling the story. Where it was really successful was when it was just kind of talking about Logan's backstory. You mm. know? And being a and, and and just kind of painting him as a character throughout time. In fact, the probably the best part of that movie is the uh, the montage at the beginning of Wolverine through hi- through history.
1: I really like that. Actually, I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I could really dig watching a you know Wolverine Civil War movie. <laughs> you know, Wolverine <laughs> storming the beaches of Normandy. I could get into that. You know, mm-hmm. but. Uh, this movie <laughs> was not the movie to see.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I I agree. And you know what? I challenge you, if you thought that was bad, I am challenging you on air to watch The Spirit.
0: Now, have you seen it? Yes. Is it bad?
1: Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea. Imagine Dark Knight Return, the, the Dark Knight Strikes Back. Yeah. Imagine that Frank Miller. Oh, you know, shit. For, you know, making a movie. Really? Oh,
0: my God. You have no idea. You're saying Greg and I were correct (laughs) in not going (laughs) to see The Spirit.
1: I am. I am. Mm. Nonetheless, I am challenging you to see it now. Okay. It's on.
0: It's on. It's on. Donkey Kong. Now, here's a comic book movie I've not seen. Uh, The new Punisher movie. Oh, that one's bad, too. Well, and it must be because I was – I mean, it came out, what, last year? Yeah, is that right? I was at uh, uh the the Price Club Sam's last weekend and you know I always cruise the DVD aisle to see if there's anything worth having at a good price. <laughs> and I saw that they had that DVD for 4.99. Wow. And I'm like, I've not seen it. I'm going to go ahead and grab it. So I've got it. I haven't watched it yet. But uh, you know, I I like the previous one with uh uh, Jane uh, Thomas Jane Thomas Jane. I really like that one. I know it, it, people have hated on it, but I actually thought it was a pretty good movie.
1: See, I liked. Uh, I thought it was okay, and I liked Thomas Jane, and uh, um, you know. But Thomas Jane does a lot of garbage. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And the fact that he didn't do Punisher Two is just kind of a sign. You know, if it's so bad that Thomas Jane won't even be in it,
0: it's bad. Well, you know, the sad thing is, is that I really like the actor who is playing the Punisher in this in this newer version. You know, I, re- I loved him in Rome, the HBO uh, series. Mm-hmm. I, that was a terrific show, and he was fantastic in it. Uh, so I'm I'm disappointed to hear that it's not very good. But I'm going to watch it. I've, you know, I've got the DVD. It's in the stack, the giant stack of DVDs I've not yet watched.
1: Ah, uh, uh, well, d- uh, yeah. you, you, we will have to see. We will have to talk about it after you see it.
0: Do you have the giant stack of DVDs you own but haven't yet watched?
1: You know, I did have a stack, okay. and what I did is, it, since I recently redid my office, um, I just went ahead and filed them with the rest of the DVDs, and
0: you know, <laughs> instead
1: of instead of saying I have not seen these DVDs, um, I'm now saying, you know, I, I will get to them eventually, <laughs> but I'm not giving myself like I'm not. I don't, I don't have the constant reminder. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you know, I've got I, like fanboys over there. I haven't watched that yet. Ooh. I've got it. I've got. The, I've only watched the first disc of the uh, the Flash TV series.
1: Yeah, I've only watched the first disc of that as well. And fanboys, uh. I didn't care for either. So,
0: well, great. You're just painting a, a lovely picture of what I've got to watch.
1: Yeah, ooh, you're in for <laughs> a bad couple of weeks, Aaron.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, something to watch at three thirty in the morning when I can't sleep. There you go. Well, you know, I did read some comics while I was up early this morning. We
1: can talk about them with uh, half-lucidity? Uh, half,
0: half. Half. Quasi. Uh, quasi-lucidity.
1: Well, you probably only <laughs> needed quasi-lucidity to read Adventure Comics number five anyway.
0: <laughs> yeah, which which leads us into our Blackest Night update. Blackest Night update. 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 I like this one better than number four. I did, too, actually. I didn't hate it nearly as much. And I thought it was actually kind of a nice turn. Uh, This was the... We did see something new in this book in in terms of Blackest Night that we've not seen previously, Mm -hmm. which was how Superboy Prime dealt with the Blackest Night threat. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. You know, I I, I liked how he handled it.
1: I did too. You know, the only thing I didn't like about this issue... I mean, it wasn't a great issue, but I really didn't like... Uh, Superboy Prime storming the DC offices. Oh yeah, I I really hated that. I thought that was incredibly stupid, but after they, you know, after that part ended, Mm -hmm. I actually enjoyed what was, you know, what was remaining.
0: Yeah, and part of the thing that I really disliked about the uh, storming of the DC offices is one, he didn't tear Dan DiDio's head off, which, you know, I was expecting to see. (laughs) Um, But I did not care for how they drew the various staffers at DC, because they didn't look—they—they they, they did not look like the rest of the style of the comic. Yeah, they looked like someone snapped pictures and then drew from those pictures. You know, so like if you're looking at it right now, there's the there's the, the big uh, two-page spread where they're fighting through the halls at DC, and there's this one particular panel where this woman is standing there, you know, at the front of the panel going help. And I mean, she doesn't look genuinely frightful. She just looks like she's okay. Pose and look like you're, you're saying help.
1: (laughs) She probably is. They probably Mm -hmm. did get some of these people to just pose.
0: Yeah. I think that's exactly what happened. And and none of it, looks particularly good i mean they're well drawn but they don't really fit the style of the book and so it kind of pulls you out of it and i'm sure that there, there are folks who enjoyed this and thought it was funny but it really does kind of seem like writing for the writers as opposed to writing for the readers
1: now i will say i was uh i wanted to talk about this issue particularly because newsarama had a, a review of it this week on their best shots Reviews And you shouldn't be reading Newsarama anyway when there's ideologyofmadness.com around. Uh-huh, right. But, um, you know, when Newsarama is – when we haven't updated for a couple of hours, I understand why people would go to Newsarama. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, you know, um, they had a very, very scathing review of this issue. Oh, really? Saying how, you know, if they didn't appreciate that it made fun of the fans of the book and – you know, it seemed cruel and blah, blah, blah. Don't make fun of your audience, that kind of stuff. And I, I was, you know, it was, it was very scathing. And yeah, I get it. You know, I mean, it made fun of people who have that severe devotion. <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, to their comics and, you know, like, like Superboy Prime. But yeah, I, I didn't hate it as much as they did. In fact, I, I quite enjoyed it.
0: Yeah. Well, and then, like I said, there are, there are parts of this book that I really liked and that I thought were kind of clever. You know, now once you got past the DC thing is where the book really takes off. You know, once you get past that that front end sort of uh, storytelling. But you know, the the fight that takes place in Superboy's basement is really pretty neat, and we'll just go ahead and spoil it here. So you know, you've been fairly warned. He, uh, you know, just realizes that he can't defeat the Black Lanterns, so he's just going to go ahead and become one himself, and takes one of their rings. And I just, I thought, that's a great idea. Yeah. (laughs) You know, screw you. I'm just going to take your ring. And then, you know, there's this whole turmoil about how the Black Lantern ring is dealing with all of Superboy Prime's various emotions. And, you know, I think Wayne is, was absolutely right. Uh, the last time we talked about Adventure Comics, I do think that this is an attempt to redeem the character and maybe not make him a villain. And I think that's a mistake. I, 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 I think that they should leave him a villain. He should be a bad guy. It's nice to have a guy who thinks he's Superman being a bad guy that's not bizarro.
1: Yeah, you know, if it's just a matter you know, I'm I'm okay with Superboy Prime being a villain. In fact he's had some very good villainous appearances, mm-hmm. but you know, some of the ways they took his character mm-hmm. and it's primarily dealing with him being on the message boards and the winks and the nods towards real life and blah, blah, blah. Those are the main aspects of the character that I don't like. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think, you know, I don't necessarily know. Hopefully there's a break after this because mm-hmm. the ending of the issue could be open. En- you know, it's very open-ended.
0: Right. And, well, uh, and you know, there's a, it's kind of funny because the, 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 the end of the, of the story with Super Superboy Prime or Superman Prime, whatever the hell you want to call him, uh, you know it, it. There's a very distinct the end. You know, like you're led to believe that oh, this ends badly for Superboy Prime. But you know, since you don't see it on on page, it's very open ended for them to bring him back and do something different with him
1: yeah it has yeah. a very the ending of the comic book is very much like the ending of like a horror movie right um you know with one of those like Twilight Zone type endings and you know when something like that happens in a horror movie, you're like, oh well, that character died after right. you know while the credits are rolling, and so you know you get that impression that after this superboy prime is is a goner, but the fact that they didn't show it you know exactly. if they wanted to bring back superboy prime, they could
0: yeah. Now, the, uh, what did you think of the, uh, the last few pages with the Francis Manupole uh, artwork for the Superboy story?
1: Um, okay. The, uh, yeah, the co-feature, uh, the Superboy, which is a continuation of the story from the first three issues that I loved a lot. Um, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. I, 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 in fact, you know, I still continue to love the story. I love the art. Um, I think the issue very much – shows the fact that he was let go from the title before he was ready to finish the story. Yeah. That he, you know, they told him to move on to something else so that Paul Levitz could take this over. Yeah. Um, because it, I, I, when I got to the ending, I'm like, wait, 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 what? <clears throat> you know, I, it's like, I come, it's like I missed something. Yeah. It, it just felt very rushed. Um, now, again, I liked it. Um, and again, I like the art. I just felt like, Wow. That was a lot of story um, that there wasn't enough build up for.
0: Right. So issue six is that going to be Francis Manapole, or is that going to be uh, the new team? No,
1: um, issue six is going to be the conc- the, fin- the conclusion of Johns and Manapole's uh, story.
0: Okay, so Johns is going to get to finish this off before before he exits the title.
1: Yes, yeah, um, it's going to be and it's going to be an extra sized extra sized issue. Um, nonetheless, I think he had planned this story out to go much longer.
0: Well, and than, I had read an interview with Jeff Johns that said that, you know, he had several story arcs planned that he's had, that he, he will put on the back burner and come back and do it another time.
1: Yeah. I mean, cause if you think about it, if you combine all of the issues, we're talking, you know, four, four and a half comic books. Um, you know, if you count this little piece, um, for that storyline. And, you know, Jeff Johns doesn't tell any story in four in, it, in four right. issues. Well, so. actually it's
0: more like three and a half. Yeah, Cause, cause you know, we had the Dan Juergens story last time.
1: Yeah. So we well, had, had the, the first three issues and yeah. then issue six.
0: And I said, Dan Juergens, I think i meant Jerry Ordway. Yeah, you yeah. did, but that's okay. Yeah. We forgive you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but again, I, what did you think of it?
0: I think that if I was reading it collected, I would have enjoyed it more. It just, it seems rather herky-jerky a herky-jerky way to tell the story they had planned something that was going to be in a 6 issue arc and then we had this interruption with the blackest night tie-in and superboy prime um i just i feel kind of out of sorts on the story i think the last time we saw super uh, superboy was when he was hanging out with red robin
1: yes yes in, in paris
0: yeah in this title it just seems a a uh, like a big jump where we've got these two Blackest Night tie-ins, and then you know we're back to the to the Francis manupol Superboy story, and I'm just I don't know it just it doesn't flow to me, and it's because we've had that <clears throat> the two story break or two part break. Uh, yeah,
1: and you know us. even again if it, the story reads like after he wrote issue three the Red Robin um story, you know at the end of that issue they're sitting down and he's like I'm going to need your help to find Lex Luther. Yeah, and then all of a sudden oh, I'm on my way back home from Paris. Um. Okay. it feels like sometime after issue after writing issue three is when John's got the memo (laughs) (laughs) and then he's like, well, crap, how do I figure this out now?
0: Well, issues two and three were so strong, you know, and we're we're really uh, getting into a build. And then we got hit with issue four, which, you know, neither you, myself or Wayne enjoyed at all. -hmm. And you know, then we get you know the bulk of the story in issue five is a continuation of a story that none of us enjoyed, with a little bit of the story that we did enjoy. And I just, I, I just feel, I feel so far removed from that story. It was hard for me to get back into that. And again, I think my my feelings on that will probably be different were I reading it in a collection.
1: And honestly, as much as I like that story and the art, if they put it in a pretty hard cover, I will probably pick up the story in trade. Uh huh. Even though I own the issues, yeah,
0: I, I I don't I'm not sure that I will. I because while I really enjoyed the uh, the Wonder Girl story and the Red Robin story, I'm not sure it's going to be enough for me to pick up. Now could be absolutely be redeemed in the uh, final issue.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It depends on the finale because yeah. you know I had fully intended on picking up Old Man Logan in trade until I read the finale. Man, tell me about it. Yeah, now I don't <laughs> even want to look. And now I see the cover of the hard you know I see the hardcover sitting on the shelf and. Not my shelf. In the, in the comic book store, I'm like, man.
0: <laughs> Is the hardcover to that already out? I yeah.
1: Seen it's, it's And it's pretty looking, and it's got a lot of extras. Yeah. Uh, but I just can't bring myself to do it because well, I'm not going to read it. I am not going to read it because I know how it ends, and I know I don't like the ending, so I'm not going to read it.
0: Yeah. Well, there was another Blackest Night book uh, this week, which was Booster Gold, number 27. And, Paul, Indeed. you didn't read this one.
1: I did not. Even though I liked um, the first part of the storyline, um, you know, I, I, I've been out of the Booster Gold loop, and I just, I just decided not to pick up the issue.
0: Well, um, you didn't miss anything. <laughs> <laughs> it is the exact same story we've seen everywhere else where, you know, the appearance of the, uh, the reanimated dead person as a Black Lantern uh, freaks out the hero the Black Lantern gets the the best of the hero for a little bit. And then the hero comes back with resolve and says, you're not my friend. And, you know, then puts the beat on the, uh, on the Black Lantern. That yeah. was, I mean, it's the same damn story that we've seen in most of the other tie-ins. And, you know, we've just got to buy it <laughs> several different times in several different ways. Yeah. Um, and it's sad because I think booster gold is one of the best titles that DC's put out. And this was uh, not what I would call a really strong book. However, there was a huge reveal in this book, and I'll spoil it, so brace yourselves. F- skip ahead five minutes if you don't want to hear this. One of the, the, the ongoing threads in this series of Booster Gold, you know, he's been working with Rip Hunter, is that Rip Hunter has hidden his past and hidden who his family is and ancestors are so that people – his enemies can't go back and kill him and we find out that Booster Gold is Rip Hunter's father. Wow, that's quite a reveal. That is quite a reveal and it's it's just it's the only thing that made this issue worth picking up.
1: I I I I wouldn't have seen that coming.
0: Yeah, you know Rip Hunter just kind of treats Booster like a dog. You know, throughout the the entire series, you know, you've got to do this and you got to do it this way, uh, that kind of thing. And then he sends Booster off on, on his next mission. And there's this one little quiet scene where, you know, Rip says, well, good luck. And he says to himself, the day will come when you'll understand why I had to do things this way. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> one little frame on this whole, you know, gigantic page. <laughs> dad i was like holy crap they at least they made that worthwhile but you know the, the book did the same thing that we've talked about before where you know we're, we're continuing to harken back to how ted cord the tragedy of ted cord's death and how close booster and ted were and i'm just wondering how many times we can bury ted cord <laughs> yeah i mean I, come on i mean i'm, I'm ready for this to, to be fully behind us so that was that was booster gold's blackest night <laughs>
1: Well, on the other end of the comic spectrum that doesn't even make sense. Uh <laughs> Marvel is building up to their big Siege event and a couple of comics came out this week that are kind of loosely uh based on the Siege event. I think it's uh I think they all kind of lead up to the story that we're going to see in Siege. And uh, I read Invincible Iron Man number 21 this week. Um, I think we talked about issue 20 last week with Jonathan and Wayne on the show. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan was saying that uh, Invincible Iron Man is his favorite Marvel title right now. And, you know, if anyone should know, it would be Jonathan because he reads every damn Marvel title there is. Well, except for those five books. Except for those five books. <laughs> the five. <laughs> and, um, but you know what? I-, I see why it is because Invincible Iron Man is a fantastic book. It, it Matt Fra- it's written by Matt Fraction. Um, the art is by Salvador hmm.
0: and
1: um, this is part two of Stark Disassembled. And I, I, I and it's basically you know we talked about the story last week with Tony has erased his memory to hide the superhuman registration database, and he had a contingency plan in place um, that would revive him that involves Thor and Captain America. So, you know, so you do get Thor and Steve Rogers, Captain America. So you do get a spoiler for Captain America Reborn, um, working on Tony Stark's plan to revive him. And this, it, it, this book is fantastic. I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, the art is amazing. There's a big two page spread, uh, where Thor and Captain America are. Basically, doing what Tony Stark has asked of them. I don't want to ruin too much of it, right. uh, but you know that would, what's required to revive him, and it's it's amazing. I mean, it, it is absolutely a beautiful spread. It almost would it's poster worthy. I think really, mm-hmm, absolutely. That's and awesome. uh, you know the it, it it's got to be good. It's the Eisner Award winner for best new series. I think last year, mm-hmm. and uh, you know again, I, I I cannot recommend this highly enough. I would recommend starting with issue 20, even, you know, it's a good jumping on point. You get caught up on what's happened in the title so far. And, um, you know, th- this is a great book. I also read the new Avengers annual, which is, uh, it's their third annual. It's written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Mike Mayhew.
0: How is the art on that?
1: It's okay. <laughs> um, you know, the, the poses are very awkward. Yeah. You know, it, it feels, you know, I, I would, Compare the art to kind of like a gray gland type art style, you know, where it like the faces are kind of well done, mm-hmm. but the body poses just look awkward. Like they don't they don't look very fluid. They don't look like they're moving. They look like they're posing. If that makes sense, right? Um, no, it, it it it's uneven. Some pages look great. Some pages not so great. Um, and the pages that really don't look the best are the ones that are. That involve a lot of action and a lot of fighting and stuff like that. Um, overall, the issue, which is, uh, this directly follows up Dark Reign, the list. Mm-hmm. Um, the I think it was the Avengers, which was the first one, um, in which Hawkeye, uh, who is now Ronan, basically goes to assassinate Norman Osborn. And he fails. Ares kicks his ass, and he gets captured by Osborn and the Dark Avengers. And so Hawkeye is now in there, you know, he's captured and they're torturing him to get the location of the secret hideout for the new Avengers.
0: And that's where they're staying. Are they still staying with Captain America?
1: They are still staying with Captain America. Um, Now that does change by the end of this annual. Okay. Um, Now, you know, unlike, you know, some annuals you read and it's like, oh, well, it has nothing to do with what's going on in the main title. This is an important aspect. If you're reading new Avengers, Mm -hmm. this is an important part of the story. Okay. of what's going on in New Avengers right now. Because I'm assuming, in the next issue of New Avengers, they'll be in a different base. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it actually is very heavily involved with what's going on in the title and what's going on with Dark Rain and all that. Um, and so, basically, to save Ronan, um, Spider-Woman, Miss Marvel, Mockingbird, and Jessica Jones actually uh, gets into her superhero costume again. Really? Um, to, to save Ronan, and it it has the implications that Jessica Jones will be taking on her costume and her superhero roles again.
0: That same old costume? Yeah. Because, boy, it's an ugly costume. It is an ugly costume. Yeah, And you know who else has got just an, an, a terrible, terrible costume? Mockingbird. Oh, my God. That thing is awful. And, you know, uh, it will, it
1: will, talk <laughs> I just about, guessed I was
0: right. <laughs> that thing is awful. You know, it it's is. those long, you know, cloak like sleeves. And then, you know, it's just a, just essentially a one piece bathing suit with those long sleeves. Yeah. I mean, it's just as nasty as it can be.
1: <laughs> you know, and there's, there's a, there's, um, a piece in here where she's half naked in a bed and she looks great. You know, the art on that scene is great, but whenever the people are in costume, the Mm. art is, you know, the art doesn't suit the costumes.
0: So you're saying that the art, you can tell where the artist is really interested in drawing.
1: Yeah. (laughs) It's like, let me put more definition.
0: I like naked, the naked ladies. (laughs)
1: But, you know, overall, it's not a bad book. It does read like another issue of New Avengers. Um, A couple of important things happen, like I mentioned, uh, the new base, the saving of Ronin. And again, uh, and I I put this on Twitter, because Marvel must feel like Captain America Reborn number six will never be released, because literally at the end of, like, every book I've read from Marvel in the last couple of weeks, Steve Rogers pops in. (laughs) And he pops in at the end of this issue in his Captain America costume. Good grief! So uh, you know, it's like just
0: screw it. Well, and you know, I, I understand they they're delayed on that last issue, and that they that they decided to make it a double sized issue because it, wasn't it like originally going to be five? Yes. Issues? Well, keep in mind,
1: issue five has still not come out either. Yeah. So there is still two issues left on Captain America: Reborn.
0: But it was originally going to be five issues, and they decided to make it six. Is that correct? Yes,
1: six plus a follow-up, like who will wield the shield or something.
0: Yeah, (laughs) it cracks me up that you know they hired the team they did, and you know, you know, God love him, you know, Hitch is a is a terrific, uh, terrific penciler. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I love looking at his artwork; I really do. But he can't get a book out on time
1: not to save his life.
0: No. And I, and and for them to have given him that assignment for something that is so time sensitive is just irresponsible in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I even mean, you think I mean you can get someone like uh, well Gary Frank is
0: exclusive to DC now, but you know right.
1: like a Gary Frank or a John Romita
0: Jr. Well, and and Marvel has a, a stable of artists who can turn out quality work on time. Yeah, even McNiven
1: is faster than Hitch. Yeah. And McNiven drawing Captain America Reborn, regardless of how bad the story was, we'd still be reading it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, none of this will ever change until fans just say, you know, screw you, I'm not buying it. You know, if you can't can't meet your deadlines, if you're going to promote a book and solicit a book, you know, that's not even available, (laughs) you know, that's not even done. Yeah. You know, screw you. Screw you! You know, and you know, I, I'll admit, I, I got sucked into it. I bought the last issue of Old Man Logan, you know, and I shouldn't have. Yeah. I I knew I shouldn't have when I bought it, I, and I bought it, and I hated it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I until fans are you know are willing to divorce themselves from that, Marvel and companies like them will continue to screw their fans. Yeah, you know,
1: but you know, I mean, Marvel seems to have not learned its lesson, at least you know and i hate to you know do the marvel dc debate again but dc got burned um, primarily on the batman t- or the superman the action comics with uh mm-hmm. adam kubert right um, which was health issues it wasn't slowness issues I Yeah, kubert couldn't get a book out on time
0: that's right he wasn't lazy he was sick
1: and uh wonder woman um by uh i think it was uh, the guy who wrote uh who wrote Young Avengers, Alan Heinberg? Uh huh. And the art was Terry Dodson, I think, or Frank Cho, someone like that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that was a great book, but, you know, those are the two times they really got burned and had to release a giant size finale like Marvel does. But that was three, four years ago. That was right after Infinite Crisis. Yeah. You know, and they, they've not had it happen since.
0: Yeah, and, no, uh, DC has, has done a really good job of putting out their books on time. You
1: well, not know? only that, and you know, I hate when they do that, but if they, if something gets delayed, they have enough backstories, fill in issues to pop in a fill in issue. Yeah. So that a monthly book still comes out monthly.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, that was actually, you know, we interviewed uh, Marv Wolfman earlier this week mm-hmm. and, uh, that was actually one of his innovations back when he was an editor was you know building in you know, uh, uh, file issues so that when somebody w- when a book was delayed, they could still get the book out on time. Yeah. I mean, you know?
1: yes, nobody likes fill-in issues, but I'd rather have a fill-in issue that I don't necessarily have to buy yeah. than have three or four months go by without an issue. I'd rather yeah. have a change in artist. Uh, to someone who can get the story out on time, you know, yeah. as long as the art is still good, you know, the the problem is they're They are making these comics, they're you know, with a, a mind on the trade market. Yeah, Wait. and uh, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I was because a trade obviously looks better. It feels as one story when it's one artist. But you know, it, it, sometimes you have to bite the bullet and change the artist because some of these guys just aren't capable of doing it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, one of the ways to help a book look, you know, if you're going to have to replace the artist, you know, it's generally the penciler who's let you down, you yeah. know, um, when we're talking about a delay in art. And so, you know, as long as you're continuing to use the same letterers, the same inkers, the same colorists, you're still going to have a similar feel. Yeah. You know, um, now the idea is, you know, still hire a competent penciler. I mean, I've seen replacement artists uh, who weren't competent, who never should have finished that story. You know, and I'm with you. I think that the company should say, you know, this story is going to come out on time. And if you can't make your deadline, we're going to have somebody else do it. Yeah. You know?
1: And, you know, something like Captain America Reborn is so easy to get out on time. And I'll tell you why I say that. It has Captain America jumping through different points in time. Mm Mm-hmm. Why can't the flashback sequences be done by different artists? Maybe past Captain America artists, the most popular Captain America artists through time. Mm -hmm. Why can't they do that? You know, and that way Hitch only has to draw maybe five to ten pages an issue. Yeah. You know, so you still have that narrative thread that's consistent. And the flashbacks are done in a, you know, in a different style, kind of like Agents of Atlas. Mm -hmm. You know, they have the, the flashback sequences done by a specific artist and the current day sequences done by a different artist. And it works because you, those were the rules that were set up. And if they had done that with Cap Reborn, I think it would have not only come out on time, I think fans would like it better because now you've got Hitch, um, delaying the book. And he's rushing, so the art isn't as good as, you know, they, they had come to expect from the Ultimates,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which was a problem with his Fantastic Four run as well. Right. Just saying.
0: Yeah, I you know, I, I, I can bitch about this all day, Paul.
1: <laughs> we could, we could. But, you, <laughs> you know, know, instead, we should talk about something that you read this week. Um, did you read Sword this week?
0: I did. I read Sword number two this week, which is kind of a Siege Dark Reign book. Because, you know, that Norman Osborne, he's got his hands in everything, including our world's uh, uh, efforts against the alien incursion. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the pages of SWORD, we're looking to keep the aliens off the planet. Um, I really liked issue one. Did not like issue two so much. Really? Yeah, you know... Uh, it is a lot of the dark rain kind of feel to the book because while our heroes are off, uh, defending the planet, uh, Henry Geirich is working for Norman Osborne and subverting everything. And what irritates me about it is that we never got to establish a status quo. You know, we never got to see sword agents just out there doing their thing, fighting, you know, fighting the alien scum. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, we immediately got into, you know, one adventure and immediately the tape, the, the, the status quo is upset, but we never really got to enjoy the status quo. And that's what I disliked about it. You know, that it's immediately, you know, the person who's supposed to be in charge of the sword agency is displaced from the sword agency. Um, it, I just, that's what I didn't like about it. Hmm. I, I, I love the premise of, of the book, you know, kind of shield in space. Um, but I I don't like that we never really got to see that before, you know, you're on the outs. Yeah. So now the preview for next issue does look really cool because, you know, it's got Lockheed, uh, the dragon, with okay. uh, you know, uh two pistols in his hands. So uh <laughs> <laughs> But you know, I, 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 I will renew my complaint about the artwork. Um I don't think this guy knows how to draw. Really? Yeah, I mean, in some places the artwork works, but there is a a a page where you know the uh, uh, Abigail is you know, walking across the deck, and her legs are too short, her torso is too long. I mean, she looks more like a chimpanzee than than a person. Nice, you know. And I, I don't know. I mean, there are some there are some pages where the artwork really works, but I think that the I, either the artist is making some choices that I disagree with. Or he doesn't really understand anatomy.
1: <laughs> well, and um they sucker you in with those John Cassidy
0: covers. Well, but again, I don't think that's really a John Cassidy cover. I think that John Cassidy maybe did some light penciling, you know, but mm-hmm. the the uh like you know, the the cover on this one on Alien on Sword Number Two has got Aliens Go Home in the Background with Henry Gyrick up front. And I'm sorry, that doesn't look very John Cassidy to me. Hmm. You know, and I certainly, the, the first issue cover l- looked like it was dra- drawn by somebody else. And the uh, the cover credit is John Cassidy and Laura Martin. And like I said last time, I think Laura Martin did the lion's share of the work. Hmm. Because it doesn't really look like a, a John Cassidy cover to me. So <laughs> I, I, I'm ready for this book to get good. Um, they've certainly laid down some some groundwork that, I, that I'm interested in. You know, there is a... Uh, A robot that they have, you know, uh, an alien robot that they have locked up in a cell, you know, on the ship and they, they go to and ask him things. But of Mm -hmm. course, the robot's locked up in a cell and is really interested in getting out. And one of the comments that's made about him is, you know, he was designed to lie. And so, you know, Hank McCoy asks Abigail, well, what do you mean by that? She goes, I'll explain it to you later. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, there's obviously they're building up to something with that, and I'm looking forward to that. I just don't like that I never got to enjoy some status quo. Hmm. So that's my big complaint about S.W.O.R.D. Huh.
1: Well, unrelated to Siege. I Wait, think is anything unrelated to Siege? There is, and it's Necrotia. Uh, um, Necrotia
0: is just a big plot by Norman Osborn. You know. I'm sure that'll be revealed in the end.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, I-, I feel like uh, I'm sleeping with another man's woman by talking about Necrotia without Jonathan on the show,
0: <laughs>
1: but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, you go, Paul. <laughs> Necrotia The Gathering came out this week, and it's a one-shot uh, that basically tells the backstories of the main villains of Necrotia. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, one thing I complained about with uh the X-Force issue we talked about last week was that I just I didn't know what was going on I didn't know who these characters were you know I was liking the necrosha storyline but I was a little lost because I didn't know who the characters were and you know I I I fault myself because I don't read X-Men on a regular basis or X-Force but at the same time a big crossover event should be written in such a way to draw new readers in. And I felt like I was getting a little lost because it wasn't written that way. Right. Necroche of the gathering came out this week with a a stunning cover. um, That's modeled after the poster for John Carpenter's vampires. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's kind of fun. And uh, basically what, like I said, these are um, a bunch of short stories, same writers, different artists that, tell the backstories of all of the main villains of Necrotia. And, uh, you know, some of the art pieces aren't as good as others. You know, they, they are very different art styles for each piece. But I really enjoyed the book. Yeah. I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. And I think it does help me understand the Necrotia storyline a bit more. Um, because now I know who these characters are. I know their histories. I know their motivations. So it makes a lot more sense to me. And um, you know, not only that, it's you know, not only does it serve its purpose, it's well written. The art style is good. I, I I really I really enjoyed it. Huh. So you know, I, I think it's necessary reading if you're interested in the Crocea storyline. Hopefully, that'll be included in the trade because I think it's actually you know necessary to to getting full enjoyment out of the storyline.
0: So you're getting a kick out
1: of the I am actually. Uh, it, it, I really am enjoying it. Um, you know, there, like I said, there are three plot threads. Um, One goes through X-Force, one goes through New Mutants, and the other one goes through X-Men Legacy, I think. Um, Now, I am only following the one in X-Force, which is the main storyline. In fact, the one in X-Force is Necrotia, whereas the other two are kind of, you know, different aspects, but the main storyline is uh, Necrotia, and so that's the only one I'm reading. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I am enjoying it, and I like the art. um, You know, it's of course it's no blackest night but it's 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 not bad for zombie superheroics
0: cool cool indeed zombie superheroics <laughs>
1: <laughs> sounds like a it sounds like a book we need to write zombie superheroics
0: i i think i like it i think a yeah, super zom- zombie super dead guy uh, you know dead robin there you go
1: Ah, Dead Robin. I love it.
0: Dead Robin. Well, speaking of Robin, (laughs) (laughs) Red Robin number 7 came out.
1: It did. And And you're still
0: reading that turkey.
1: I am still reading this book, and it it does get better with each issue. Um, (laughs) You know, they they did change the artist. The storyline is flowing much better now than it did when the book first started. Um, And what we're dealing with right right now um, is Tim Drake is undercover. Um, In Ra's al Ghul's organization, basically trying to dismantle it from within. And um, but at the same time, um, Lucius Fox has a daughter, Tam Fox, and he has sent her out to get Tim Drake because, you know, Tim Drake is still the adopted son of Bruce Wayne. And he's out gallivanting around the globe as far as the press is concerned. So Lucius has sent his daughter out to bring Tim home. Um, and, but unfortunately what has happened is she's gotten involved in this whole League of Assassins business. And so she's, you know, and there's another side group, um, of assassins that are trying to take down Rachel Gould's organization, uh, you know, not from within, but from outside by basically killing everybody. And so while Tim Drake is out on a mission, Tam Fox is, you know, back at the home base when it's stormed by these supervillains and, um, you know, Tim Drake realizes it, he comes back, and uh, favorite line of the week in a comic book. Um, you know, she's, you, you get the Tam Fox narration talking about, you know, how he came back for me, I'm th- you know, he's here, finally I feel safe again. And then you get Tim Drake's take on it, literally in the next line, he says, Tam's going to die. Nice. And, you know, I, I just really liked that, you know, it was well-timed. You know, she's like, I'm going to be safe. And then he's like, she's going to die. And um, just, you know, I, I, it, it really worked for me, that scene. And like I said, the book is getting better. The change in artist is, wow, it's, uh, it's worlds different.
0: Uh-huh. Is it worlds better?
1: <laughs> it is worlds better. In fact, you know, um, Marcus To is the artist right now. Uh-huh. He reminds me a lot of um, the art on the book kind of harkens back to or gives me the feeling of uh what tom grummet was doing with tim drake robin when that series. oh yeah when that series first started uh-huh it has that feel to it
0: i like you Tom Grummett.
1: like yeah i love tom grummet yeah and so you know i think that's a pretty good compliment from me saying that marcus toe feels like a tom grummet to me that's so hard. i you know i actually enjoyed rob red robin number seven um you know, if you're not, you know I know you don't like I know you didn't care for the title at the beginning I'm glad I stuck with it um, you know and assuming they don't you know screw the pooch on it I will probably huh. keep buying
0: it you understand I'm judging you right now right I know I know okay. well you know what it's only a temporary
1: <laughs> title because DC announced the return of Bruce Wayne this week oh did they yes um, Bruce Wayne and unfortunately the titles it's a six issue miniseries. Great. <laughs> of course with so. great artists, but on what's unfortunate about it is that it's written by Grant Morrison.
0: Oh, God.
1: Yeah. Um, wow. And it's so funny because, you know, we were talking about Captain America Reborn with Steve Rogers lost in time, jumping around to different points in his history. Uh-huh. Um, the Return of Bruce Wayne involves Bruce Wayne basically doing the same thing.
0: Oh, for crying out
1: loud. Except instead of being stuck in his history, he's stuck in just history in general. So you're going to see caveman Batman, pirate Batman, witch finder Batman. That
0: sounds awful. Uh,
1: like 1920s noir Batman. Um, yeah. So that is the storyline that will bring Bruce Wayne back to the DC universe. Um, the fact that it's so, it's, you know, the story is so similar to Captain America Reborn and, you know, it, it Literally, you know, the entire story of Captain America Reborn with Bucky taking over the mantle of Captain America and all that is so similar to what's going on with DC's Batman titles. Um, you know, and they're, they're both, you know, we didn't like Captain America Reborn. We don't like what Morrison's doing on Batman. It's just kind of a shame. I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I like, there are some good ideas there, but some of the execution just,
0: eh. Yeah. Man.
1: You know, I, I, when I saw The Return of Bruce Wayne, I was excited. And, you know, yes, the idea is kind of stupid. But with the right artist and the right writer, I think it could work. Um, I'm not so sure Morrison, you know. I, 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 I'm i sure I will buy the first issue of The Return of Bruce Wayne. Um, hopefully, Morrison doesn't disappoint me, you know. Or does disappoint me because I'm expecting crap and hopefully <laughs> gold.
0: Well, you know... Uh- at my Christmas department party every year, um, I, I run a trivia game. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'll have different categories, You know all work-related, except for one category that I call Things I Think You Should Know. You know? <laughs> and everybody hates that category because you know, it's just all various bits of knowledge that I feel like they should have. <laughs> and so one of the questions I asked was, uh, Bruce Wayne is dead. Batman lives who's wearing the mask. And there was, there was all this discussion, you know, who, who could it be? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I know. Is it, uh, is it that two face guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it was Dick Grayson. It's Dick Grayson. And they're like, who's Dick Grayson. And so I explained who Dick Grayson is. Well, then who's Robin now? And I said, well, Damien, who's Damien? Well, he's the son of uh, Batman's greatest villain. The Joker has a son? No, the Joker is not Batman's greatest villain. <laughs> so we were having, and they were, it was just this, this, they kept asking a question, which I had to answer, you know, give them another answer, and it kept getting into another question. And they were really upset <laughs> that I had even asked the question at all.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what? Just uh, next time for your Christmas gifts, uh-huh. when you have people over your house, when you come in, Here's a copy of Batman and Son, or here's a copy of Battle for the Cal. Uh huh. <laughs> read it before we talk. Before we get to the trivia game.
0: There you go. You're required reading prior to the trivia game. Yeah,
1: prior to the holiday party, the Christmas party. <laughs>
0: you have to do some studying.
1: Yeah. Merry Christmas. Read Batman.
0: So uh, tell me about this Spider-Man Secret Wars book you read this week.
1: Yeah, I um I picked up Spider-Man Secret Wars. Um, it is a four issue miniseries. Written by, it looks like, uh, Paul Tobin, with art by Patrick Sherberger. Um, and they, these guys were the team behind a miniseries, uh, I think a year or so back, called Doctor Doom and the Masters of Evil. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't read it. You know, it's actually not half bad. Um, I picked up the series, you know, uh, on the cheap, and uh, it's not, it's really not half bad. its It's quite enjoyable, but it is throwaway entertainment. You know, it's not in current continuity. Um, You know, it's just like a fun little side story. Um, And Spider-Man Secret Wars is pretty much the same thing. This is um, different stories starring Spider-Man set during the events of the first Secret Wars uh, that we may not have seen, or aspects of stories we may not have seen originally. Um, And uh, so this first issue is about uh, Spider-Man's interaction with the Hulk during the first Secret War, mm-hmm. um, and the Hulk during the first Secret War had Banner's brain, Banner's intelligence, and um, in the first
0: Secret War, yeah, maybe. Sorry, do I recall that correctly? I, I you know, the uh, I, I remember. I'm trying to remember back to the first Secret War, and maybe, maybe by the end of the Secret War, he had Banner's intelligence.
1: Maybe this is the second Secret War. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I, honestly, I'm not that familiar with the Secret War storyline. It's been so long since I've read
0: them. I remember one of the one of the, the covers from the first Secret War was, uh, you know, had the Hulk and he's under this mountain and there's all the heroes around him and he's holding up the mountain and it was like, you know, under, you know, five miles of rock is the Hulk and he's not happy. <laughs> and he's yeah. you know holding up the mountain but I I don't uh, I don't recall him having banners brain but so much happened in in that first series so yeah. I apologized. I interrupted you please whatever come. damn it Aaron
1: <laughs> now my flows all off
0: I'm sorry
1: wasting my flavor sorry <laughs> um but actually now that you mentioned Hulk holding up the mountain this takes place this is a different aspect of that story okay so this tells um, a little bit of what happened leading up to that and what came after that. So this is, the, you know, this tells um, that story of Hulk holding, Hulk holding up the mountain. You see that scene in this book. Oh, really? uh uh-huh. Um, You know, and the book is a little disjointed. Um, you know, it tries to jam-pack the explanation of the secret wars in while still trying to tell this separate story. Um, it's not a bad book. Um, you, know, we're, you know, we were talking about how we're still looking for some good Spider-Man out there. Mm-hmm. And I, I enjoyed this book. Um, and the art is really fun. I think Jonathan would love the art on this. You know, it harkens back to, you know, like a 80s, early 90s, you know, fun superhero vibe. Uh, the art is actually really great on this book. Um, very colorful. Uh, but, you know, th- I, the one thing I didn't care for in the book is that Spider Man is so damn unlikable. Really? In this book. You know, some artists or some writers tend to make Spider-Man a little whiny. Yeah. And I got that in this book. Spider- basically the story, and it's about Spider-Man learning a lesson. Um, You know, Spider-Man is basically having a conversation with Captain America uh, about how the Hulk can't be trusted. You know, he's, he's so angry, blah, blah, blah. He could kill us all. And Captain America says, well, I get angry, too. Are you going to take me out? You Or do you not trust me? And he's like, well, no, not you, but Hulk. And, you know, basically Captain America says, be quiet or I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> and then, you know, Spider-Man at the end goes to the Hulk and says, hey, you know, great job. And Hulk basically says, I heard what you said about me to Captain America. Screw you. Um, basically. So, you know, it's basically like Spider-Man screwing up. Um, and it, you know, there was, it, he wasn't really that likable in this book. Um, which is kind of funny because it's a Spider-Man book, but maybe that's the point, you know, Spider-Man learning his lesson. But, uh, you know, other than that, I did actually enjoy it, and I, I would actually probably pick up the second issue. Yeah. It, it, it's fun. It's, like I said, I would still call it throwaway entertainment. Yeah. You're not going to see any changes to the Marvel Universe coming out of this, but if you're interested in seeing the Marvel Universe back during simpler times, um, with bright, colorful costumes and fun art, yeah. Spider-Man: Secret Wars is probably you know going to be your bag.
0: Well, and that that cover that I referred to was Secret Wars number four, and the text is uh, beneath 150 billion tons stands the Hulk, and he's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in that kind of circumstance, you want the Hulk not happy because the the matter Hulk gets the stronger Hulk
1: gets, and that actually is uh, part of this issue. About Spider-Man making Hulk matter to hold up the mountain. Oh, very good.
0: See, I could have written this book. You could have. See, could have written this book.
1: What if we were writing Spider-Man Secret Wars?
0: So. <laughs> well, you know, I kind of like the idea because you know uh, that twelve-issue sem- series of Secret Wars. A lot happens in that series, and I mean a lot of stuff that that became, uh, you know, part. Part and parcel of the entire Marvel universe, things that we live with today. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, how, God, Paul? How many years ago was that? It was God, twenty-five 20, years. Tw- yeah, twenty twenty-five years, something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not even going to tell you how old I was when that came out.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was twenty-five years ago.
0: Yeah. I, the uh, but so much happened. You know, you think about uh, you had the the Spider-Man black costume came out of that. You had the Beyonder came out of that, who's a you know a cosmic level character in the Marvel universe now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just so many different threads that were just you know are, 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 are really changed that Marvel universe. So I think it's interesting to, that for them to go back and tell some of the smaller moments within that story. I think that's kind of a neat idea.
1: And you know, it's it's funny because it is the title. I don't need who approved this book is beyond me because who would this book appeal to? I mean, you know, I guess Spider-Man fans, but you know, most Spider-Man fans nowadays, unless they're our age, don't really remember the original secret
0: wars. Well, and that was kind of where I was going is that, you know, the, the book's 25 years old. Um, and, and while it changed a whole bunch of stuff in the Marvel universe, I, I wonder how many comic book readers who have been reading for, for less than five years know about it care about it are interested in it yeah and
1: you know it's not like they recently released recently yeah raggy
0: Raggy,
1: (laughs) um, recently released a a, you know a a secret wars trade because i would actually probably pick it up yeah um because you know i haven't read that story in such a long time i think it'd be fun to revisit it
0: um yeah well, you know a secret wars absolute edition would be pretty sweet
1: it certainly would you know I, Except absolutes DC Marvel I, I was, doesn't do Absolute.
0: I know, I know, I but I couldn't remember what Marvel does. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think they just do premiere hardcovers. Yeah, I don't remember. But, you know, they don't have any giant size books like that. I don't think.
0: But you know, I'd love to see that. You know, that artwork again and, and the story all in one place. There was a really nifty uh, uh, thing series that that rolled out of that where Thing stayed on the the Secret Wars world. You know, mm-hmm. and, and I really enjoyed that. I mean. It, I've still got all those books and I don't think anybody cares about those, but me, <laughs> You because know, the series didn't last very long, but you know, those were fun books where he was, he was kind of a, he wasn't the thing essentially. I mean, he was still the, the Rocky kind of character, but he just flew around the secret wars world, you know, solving problems. Hmm. <laughs> it was kind of cool.
1: Well, did you read anything else this week?
0: I did. I read, uh, I read a book I was actually rather looking forward to, um, Star Trek Alien Spotlight, which is uh, published by IDW. They've done this series of you know Romulans, Andorians, Vulcans, etc., just kind of you know spotlighting the various alien races of the Star Trek universe. Well, uh, this one that came out this week was featuring Cardassians, and it, the story picks up after the end of uh, the Deep Space Nine television series. And Deep Space Nine, in my opinion, is just the best of the Star Trek series. Uh, I I really, really enjoyed Star Trek Deep Space Nine. And, you know, the the Cardassians had a real interesting background. So I was looking forward to this book and was grossly disappointed. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The story is uh, poorly written. The, you know... I remember uh, Wayne was kind of talking about uh, uh, comic book adaptations of television or movie media and, you know, was talking about how, you know, the characters never look right, that kind of thing. Well, they had to keep telling you the character's name so that you could go, oh, that's Kira or, oh, that's Garrick,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: because you could not recognize them. The, uh-huh. the, the artist made no attempt. To uh, draw them like the television character, which, you know, I, I don't have a huge objection to, but if you're not going to draw them like the television character, you should at least draw them unique, you know, so that you can tell the difference from one human to another or one Cardassian to another. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it is a racial stereotype to say that all Cardassians look alike <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you could not tell the difference in these characters. Um the story doesn't make a great deal of sense. I mean I sat here at the end at, at the end of it going, huh? And it doesn't resolve at the end. It's kinda of, it's one of those kinds of endings where you're kinda of left to wonder, well, what actually happens? And I'm like, I paid four bucks. I expect an actual ending. You so know?
1: this is um, this is a one shot or a it's, it's a one shot. It's oh, okay. a one shot.
0: And you know there are some nice pages um, but as a whole, uh, I don't think the artist met the goal, you know, a- mm-hmm. and the story certainly did. I mean, the, the, this book was, was served well, neither by the artist nor the writer. I mean, it was just really not good, not good at all, Paul, not good at all. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. And you know, the sad thing is, is that, you know, the folks over at Paramount, you know, understand that they are never going to do. Another Deep Space Nine television series. They're never going to have a Deep Space Nine, you know, movie. So they have continued that Deep Space Nine story in their novels, and they've done it to great effect. I, mean, I don't know if you ever read Star Trek novels or not, but the but the Deep Space Nine Star Trek novels that are essentially a season eight mm-hmm. are terrific i mean they they have really you know built on the mythology and you know added new characters to the book that are just really very interesting and they and it's not like some of the Star Trek fiction that you read where where everything gets reset back to status quo at the end of the book. no, there are actual changes that continue and the story continues to grow and so I was kind of hoping for a similar type of treatment in the in the the pages of this book, and some of the other i d w trek books are just of such high quality this was not one of them. So well, I am go. sorry to hear that. Aaron. Well, I, I am grossly disappointed I've and plan it. on writing a sternly worded letter
1: <laughs> <laughs> that will never see print.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know about you, but I have been reading a whole bunch of stuff lately. Uh, like for instance, I just finished two trades, uh, uh, one of, of short stories which included the Missile Mouse feature and the Missile Mouse uh, uh, preview book that we were provided because I had to prep for the Jake Parker interview, which will release uh, this week. This Wednesday. Yeah, releases this Wednesday. Um, so I read those. I uh, just finished reading uh, Boom Studios, and I this may very well be my first Boom Studios book. Hmm. Uh, but I just finished reading Fall of Cthulhu, The Fugue, which is uh, their 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 number one trade paperback.
1: Oh, yeah. You picked that up at Local Heroes while you were here.
0: I did. I finished reading that. It was awesome. I love it. Um, it does it, – it sets things up for a continuing storyline. You know, uh, kind of like Marv Wolfman was saying uh, in our interview that we had with him that released on on this previous Wednesday, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times horror fiction is standalone stories and you don't have a continuing thread. And this one – this one has a continuing thread and kind of like uh, what we were talking about in terms of tomb of Dracula, the bad guys are the focus. <laughs> and so it's their agenda. We're following through different characters. It's a uh, really very interesting. And the book makes some really unique artistic choices uh, throughout. So, you know, you've got parts of the story that are set, in what you would might call reality. And then, uh, part of the story that's set in the dreamlands where all the different Cthulhu type gods dwell and talk to us through our dreams. Well, um, they use one style of art for, you know, reality and one type of art style for the dreamlands. And, you know, both are horrific and gritty. <laughs> <laughs> But the Dreamlands is just so bizarre in the artistic style and serves the story very well. I really enjoyed this. Hmm. I really enjoyed this.
1: I've, so, I've not read it, but it sounds like something up my alley, so I'll give it a shot.
0: Well, I liked it so much I picked up Volume 2 last night. That was the trade paperback I picked up this week.
1: Uh-huh. So, very cool. You know,
0: and, it, and it's terrific, you know, Christmas reading. You know, read about the old ones.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, after all, isn't that what the spirit of Christmas is all about?
0: That's right. It, you know, the, the elder spirit of Christmas.
1: <laughs> the elder spirit of Christmas.
0: <laughs> now, uh, I have long said that, you know, I got out of Mar, a lot of the Marvel titles after the end of Secret Invasion because I didn't want to buy all the tie ins and I knew that I'd wind up picking stuff up in trade. So that was a decision that I made. Well, I, I picked up, uh, two of the new Avengers trades. Uh, they're trade paperback number 10 which is uh new Avengers power and uh trade paperback. Number 11, the search for the sorcerer Supreme. And I just finished reading both of those this week and I really liked them.
1: Yeah, actually I, uh, I posted reviews on the website uh, under Paul's reading dark rain.
0: Yeah. I had to avoid those. So it didn't uh, spoil anything for me.
1: You don't read my crap anyway, but
0: <laughs> I, well, I, I read the stuff that has pictures of girls in it. Yeah,
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I actually really enjoyed them. And New Avengers Power actually collects uh, the, you know, Greg was saying Dark Reign number one. Uh-huh. Yeah, it collects that that Secret Invasion Dark Reign special. Right. That you know that we were talking about Siege. Uh, the Cabal was like a direct sequel to.
0: Right. And and I like that. You know, I the uh, I I re- had read that. Wasn't that like the free comic book day thing?
1: Um, which one?
0: The the first one. The the Cabal.
1: The Siege of the Cabal or the Secret Invasion Dark Secret Rain?
0: Invasion Dark Rain. Yeah.
1: No, that actually it, it was a paid for a book. Was it? Um, yeah, I, I it was,
0: must have bought it then because I read that when it first came out and I really enjoyed it then, and I enjoyed it now. You know, it's it's that that favorite thing that that Bendis does that I like, where it's just people sitting around talking and you know yeah. just being so deep in character uh, that it works, and that creepy little room that they're in.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know? I you know, I, I really I, I dig it. I, yeah. I really did like that uh that one shot.
0: Yeah. And I liked this whole book. This whole book was really very good. Um I I I I dug it. I dug it, I completely dug it.
1: Yeah, you know, the it's funny because the overall storyline I didn't you know, wasn't my favorite, you know, mm-hmm. with the new Avengers um battling uh some of the Hood's forces. Yeah. But, you know, I'll, there were some great character moments in in that in this book. Yeah. You know, with Spider-Man um, and Jessica Jones and just, mm-hmm. you know, there, I, I really did like a lot of the stories in this book. I just I, didn't care necessarily for that main big action storyline.
0: Well, I personally really uh, liked Spider-Man's reaction to Norman Osborn being in charge of everything. I mean, his whole just, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it just cracked me up. And there is this, there is this scene. This one page, and it's three panels on one page, and the the panels are are uh, are illustrated horizontally. So you know they're taking up the full width of the page. So they're they're these pa- these panels are situated right on top of each other, and it's all the all the new Avengers lo- watching the television and trying to figure out who the the uh people are who are dressed up as the new Avengers that are on there with Norman Osborne. You because know, Norman Osborne's, you know, posing on TV with his Avengers, and you know, you've got someone in the Captain Mar uh Ms. Marvel univer uh uniform, you've got a Wolverine, you've got a Spider Man in the black costume and a and a Hawkeye, and they're just like, who are these people? <laughs> it's a really a nice moment. And what really cracks me up is that uh one of the things I really noticed about this artist is that the women are always in the foreground and we're always going to see some portion of their ass. <laughs> <laughs> so like Ms. Marvel is, you know, bent at the hips, leaning forward towards the TV. And of course, you know, she's all bare from the from the side. And, you know, we get to see that as well as, you know, Mockingbird standing right behind her. Obviously, you know, you're seeing a whole bunch of her hip. And then there are scenes with them sitting at the conference table and all the guys are on the far side of the conference table where you can't see them. But then you've <laughs> got, you know, all the women and, and the, the fullness of their bottoms uh, available, you know, for, for the reader uh, close by. But, you know, despite that, or maybe because of that, <laughs> I really did dig this book. I mean, I, I and I have enjoyed just about every single new Avengers book I've ever read. Cause I just enjoy Bendis that much. Uh-huh. Um, I, I, just, I love the way he voices these characters. Um, and I, in particular, you know, there, Luke Cage in the, in the pages of Power makes a deal with Norman Osborne to get his child back from the scroll that kidnapped the kid at the end of Secret Invasion. And, you know, the deal is, is that I'm going to do whatever it is you need me to do, blarity blar. Uh, you know, let's go get my kid. And then at the end of it, he just comes in and says, you know, yeah, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, and you expect, you know, you've seen this so many times where you kind of really expect that, you know, oh, God, this is going to be, you know, lorded over him. He's going to be a mole in the organization, that kind of thing. And I like that that Luke Cage came back with uh, uh, that magic crowbar from uh, forget the
1: the wrecking crew. But I don't remember the guy.
0: Yeah, I don't either. But, uh, you know, it comes in just beats the tar out of Bullseye with it. You know, because Bullseye had been assassinating Skrulls while the Avengers were around. I, I like this book. I like this book a lot.
1: I did, too. Um, the Wrecker was the, the guy with yeah. the crowbar. Um, yeah. And one thing I really like, this issue, This um, book collects uh, New Avengers 48 through 50 and Secret Invasion Dark Reign. Um, now, that's one thing that kind of pissed me off because I bought the hardcover, and it's a $20 hardcover and um, there's four comic books in this thing. Um, yes, they are exercised issues, but there's still only four comic books in this yeah. collection. Um, but on uh, it, in issue 50, there's a big fight scene um, between the New Avengers and the Wrecking crew and some of the Hood's forces. Yeah, And uh, they take a page to focus on each New Avenger um, with the art team of, uh, of each
0: of those books.
1: Of each of those books. So you have yeah. uh, an Iron Fist page done by the artist from uh, Immortal Iron Fist. Yeah. You've got a Spider Woman page by uh, Alex Maleev. Um, and a Spider Man page by Steve McNiven, who was the first artist on the brand new day. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Steve Mc- I, Damn, Steve McNiven's page is beautiful. But, you know, I, I really liked those, um, you know, that, that little added touch. It took me a second to realize what it was because yeah. we're reading it out of time. Right. Uh, out of the time in which it was released, but I really did like that little touch.
0: Well, and conversely, I, I, I'd like to to compare this. One of the things that I hated about Image United was that you had the different artists drawing their characters, and yeah. you know none of that worked together. Well, this all works together beautifully.
1: It does, and I think it's because it's different pages. So this page yeah. is McNiven's. This page is you know. Um, Steve Epting from Captain mm-hmm. America, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, I, but, I uh, really dug it. I really yeah. dug it quite a bit. Now, what would you think of The Search for the Sorcerer Supreme? I, I liked it a great deal. Um, it just seems to abruptly end. That is my main complaint
1: with it. I yeah. did enjoy it. Um, it does seem rather sudden how it happens. Yeah. You know, there's this big buildup. There's a lot of mention of a lot of characters. In fact, there's a lot of characters on the cover that you're like, oh man, I can't wait to see that character pop up in the book. Yeah. And really, there are very few guest stars. Oh, yeah. during the arc. Well, um, like for know.
0: instance, there's. You know, I'm looking at the cover right now, and you know, let's go left to right. Um, you've got Brother Voodoo. Mm-hmm. You've got. I'm not sure who that is. Uh, beneath Brother Voodoo,
1: no clue actually.
0: Yeah, I don't know who that is. And then you've got you know Dormammu. And then, uh, who's her face from the X-Men, um, uh, look, no, that's not Misty Knight. No, that's, uh, uh, the blonde with the sword, Ileana Rasputin. Okay. Um, it looks like maybe Ghost Rider.
1: Yeah. I think that's Ghost Rider.
0: Dr. Doom, the hood, Clea and the Scarlet Witch, right? Yes. So, so Clea shows up, I think in one panel in a flashback. Not one page, one panel, and a flashback. Same with Scarlet Witch. Same with Ghost Rider. Same with Iliana. And again, yeah, I, I mean, I, that is a little false advertising.
1: Yeah, you know, I expected a lot more guest stars in the arc, and it it is. It ends really kind of suddenly. It's like big build up, big build up, big build up. Bam! Doctor Voodoo's here. Yeah. Wait, what? Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's and you know they show it happen on panel. Uh, but when it happens, it, it kind of feels like you missed a portion of the storyline. Yeah. But, you know, other you know, I, overall, it is an enjoyable book. And I will say I was very sad um, that the Chris Boccolo art didn't continue out throughout the book. Yeah. Because I loved those pages. Yeah, it's very um, nice. During the first two issues of that storyline, Chris Boccolo does the portion of the storyline where Doctor Strange is conversing with Wiccan from yeah. the Young Avengers. And those are
0: great pages. Mm-hmm. Th- those are really our great pages, and I really enjoy the conversation that Doctor Strange is having with Wiccan.
1: Yeah, again, it's you know, it's it's that you know, sitting down and talking. Yeah, um, you know, but I I enjoyed the hell out of it. And yeah. uh, one thing again that I'll say again about this book: full cover price twenty bucks, and it only collected four issues of the book, and these weren't even extra sized
0: issues. Yeah. Now I picked up. Um, I picked it up in the soft bag. Mm-hmm. and I got it on Amazon and paid $10. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, you know, and the, the sad thing is that it makes me want to do that because, you know, I like the hardcovers. Yeah. And I probably did get this one off of Amazon, so I'm sure I didn't pay 20 bucks. I probably paid, like, 14 for it. Right. Um, Because of Amazon prices. But a $20 cover price um, for four comics is a bit steep, yeah. even if it's the new Avengers because – you know, I picked up the Mighty Thor trade paperback this week, mm-hmm. um, which is Dan Jurgens and John Romita Jr.'s first run on the title. Yeah, uh, right after Heroes Reborn, it collects nine issues for thirty bucks. See, that's great. See, that's not a half bad deal.
0: No, no. But you know, I, I, I'll say you know it's four issues, and these were what two ninety nine a pop.
1: Probably three ninety nine. New Avengers is one is of it the three ninety nine titles.
0: Okay, available. so so four books at four bucks, that's sixteen dollars. I picked it up for ten. So, you know, that was a savings to me.
1: True. Well you got a good deal. <laughs> yeah, I did. didn't, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, okay. Well it's I it's not all about you, Aaron.
0: <laughs> what? I don't understand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no hablo inglés.
0: Well and what I, what this has done is it's convinced me that I made the right decision. For me, um, in waiting out the 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 Dark rain stuff, because yeah. you know I I picked up what what is this uh, uh, forty eight issues of uh, of this title that I paid twenty bucks on, which I would have paid you know uh, what 32 thirty two, yeah. yeah. Wow, look at us doing math on the show. <laughs> <laughs> My head hurts. Yeah. Whew. But you know, I and I enjoy. I thoroughly enjoyed both of them. I knew I would. I mean, there was never any doubt in my mind that I was going to enjoy what, what I was going to read here. Now, Paul, I have got a stack of stuff to read. Now, I mean, I, I, I'm a little concerned coming into the holiday because I know I'm going to be getting reading material at Christmas, and I'm. I just know I'm going to have to take off time. I've got my new Agents of Atlas hardcover uh, that I picked <laughs> up. I've got uh, all kinds of books over there, just Do waiting to be read. <laughs> I
1: was running low on my read pile, so I started picking up some trades. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I picked up, like I said, The Mighty Thor uh, by Dan Jorgens and John Romita Jr., which I highly recommend to anyone who likes good superhero books. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it, it's great stuff. Um, and, and this is right after Heroes Reborn, um, which was when, uh, some image folks came over to work on some of the Marvel, uh, characters like Captain America, um, Hulk, Iron Man, uh, the Avengers, and Fantastic Four. And this is when they came back to the Marvel Universe. And um, I, I really, I loved this. It was the first eight issues of Thor and one crossover issue of Peter Parker Spider-Man, all written by Dan Jurgens, all with art by John Romita Jr. And at the time, um, Thor was in the Avengers with Captain America and Iron Man. So you get some good Avengers action, you know, with the classic characters Um, it's a great storyline. This is around the time that Thor was not in the body of Donald Blake, but he was in the body of a, um, I think an ambulance driver. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, I think the guy's name is Jake. Yeah. Jake. I can't remember the guy's last name, but that was a, that was a nice little period in the, uh, Thor books. Yeah. Jake Olson. Yeah.
1: And, uh, you know, I, I, I I love this book. I absolutely loved this book. Um, and they're going to, it looks like they're going to continue collecting the run because the next book comes out in March. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'm going to pick up this entire run and trade because I loved this book. It's great Thor stories. Um, you know, it is a a little bit of a product of its time. We're talking, um, I think late nineties when Mm -hmm. it was originally published. Yeah. And, uh, you know, some of the writing, you know, is what you would expect from a late nineties superhero book. Right. Uh, so you'll get a little bit of character saying what they actually what they're doing on the page right um yeah 1998 and 99 but nonetheless if you it, it is great classic superhero storytelling
0: loved it well and the that was a nice run on the book there are and you're coming up on them zombie <laughs> so <I'll> <laughs> what you thing there are a couple of missed beats uh, uh in 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 that story but press through because it leads into some Fantastic storytelling, particularly when you get into the death of Odin, uh, <laughs> uh, Thor, Lord of Asgard, uh, you know, because right now in the Thor books, the current Thor books, you've got Asgard hovering over uh, Oklahoma, but, you know, in after uh, uh, the death of Odin, Asgard hovers over New York City. <laughs> ah, <okay. laughs> and, you know, so you have regular visits from Spider-Man and the Fantastic Four and those kinds of things. And it you know, Thor become becomes less the hero that we have known in the past and more like his father, Odin. And it all leads perfectly into the disassembled book, which is really should have been titled, you know, Thor Ragnarok, because it really rolls into a a nice end of the world story for the for the Asgardians and it is such fine storytelling.
1: Well, I look forward to checking it out. So,
0: so if you if you you know get to a point where you're like, ugh, I can't do this.
1: Press on, Paul. Press, Press on. on. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, speaking of mighty things, um, because that was the mighty Thor. I had yeah. to explain that. That's right. Um, I picked up the Mighty Avengers, the first trade um, of the run after. Secret Invasion, Mm -hmm. um, that was not written by Bendis. This is when Bendis dropped off of Mighty Avengers to write Dark Avengers, Mm -hmm. and Mighty Avengers was left in the hands of Dan Slott, with art by Koi Pham, originally, and it's been, it's like a couple of different
0: artists. Now, would you characterize those as the capable hands of Dan Slott? You know, I talked about how um, when I went to that comic shop in
1: Florida, a comic shop, -hmm. I picked up the first three comics of this run, uh, for like three bucks. So, like a buck a piece. And was like, wow, this is bad. (laughs) And, uh, you know, but I picked up the trade anyway to, to give it another shot. Uh, the first three issues of the run are still not the strongest. Right. Um, it is not, I would not have started the storyline that way. Um, and that, that's issues 21 through 23. Or, no, I'm sorry, 21 through twenty. Yeah, 23. Um, but starting with issue 24, um, and, you know, going past that, the book gets excellent. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and it's hard for me to say that because this team sucks. Um, the Mighty Avengers is the Scarlet Witch, um, the Wasp, who's Hank Pym, but he goes by the Wasp now, um, U.S. Agent, Hercules, Quicksilver, The Vision, um, Stature from the Young Avengers, and Amadeus Cho. Mm-hmm. And that's just a crappy team. There's yeah. not a single A-lister on this team. Um, you know, it, and for the book, for a book to be called The Avengers, you expect at least one A-list person on the team. And yeah, Hank Pym was a founding member of the Avengers. Nonetheless, nonetheless, he is not an A-list character. Um, But the last half of this book, uh, the second storyline in this book, despite the fact that the art changes and it's not my favorite art, it is such a great story. Um, It involves basically Hank Pym, their secret base is like, you know, he uses super technology and it's like partly in our dimension, partly in another dimension, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, in order to escape Norman Osborn, they have to basically press the self-destruct button on the base. Um, But, you know, the way it works is that it's basically going to tether all ties from our dimension and just be fully housed in the other dimension. Um, But that would be catastrophic. So basically, Pym needs a specific type of technology to prevent that from happening. And that technology is in the Baxter building. But wait, that's
0: where the Fantastic Four live. Indeed.
1: And, you know, Hank Pym and Reed Richards hate each other. <laughs> and, you know, so they basically, the best, there's like a, a, an eight-page conversation in this book between Reed Richards and Hank Pym that is the funniest exchange I have ever seen Reed Richards involved in, in my life. Uh-huh. It's basically, you know, Hank Pym's like I invented Pym Particles. And Reed's like, that may be the case, but we both know I am I know more about Pim Particles than you. <laughs> and, you know, you see, because, you know, the Mighty Avengers are on um, Hank Pym's side, the Fantastic Four are on Reed Richards' side of the, the phone line, and you see their reactions, like spitting out soda, and Johnny Storm is dying laughing. And there's this great hmm. conversation, and it ends literally with Hank Pym saying, Reed, it's on, bitch. And he hangs up on him (laughs) and he actually says it's on bitch. And I just, it is hilarious. It is a great storyline. Um, you know, Dan slot is one of the few writers, um, on the amazing Mm Spider-Man who I actually like his stuff. Um, so I'm glad I stuck through that rough transition storyline, uh, right after Bendis left. Right. And, uh, stuck with it because I really enjoyed the issues that came after it. And I'm, you know, when the, uh, the next storyline is collected in trade. I'll be picking that up, too. Cool. Though I, I don't anticipate Mighty Avengers will exist post-Siege.
0: Yeah, I kind of had the sense that that one's going to go away.
1: Yeah. They, in fact, they've kind of pretty much already said that. Have they? Yeah. They, they said, you know, the events of Siege will be catastrophic to the Mighty Avengers or something like that. So they, they've pretty much confirmed that Mighty Avengers will not exist post-Siege. And I wouldn't expect it to. No. It, it, again, the team is... You know, regardless of how much I enjoyed the storyline, the team is not a great team. It's not really an interesting team. Uh, So I I wouldn't expect the book to really last, at least with this team anyway. So.
0: But you're enjoying the book. I am enjoying the book. Coolio, are well, you reading any other trades right now? I am not. Well, I've, I did pick up the Agents of Atlas hardcover
1: that we talked about with uh, Jeff Parker that no one knows that we <laughs> talked about with him. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I... Uh,
0: now, I how much did you pay for yours?
1: I paid 25 I paid cover price.
0: Okay. All right. Yeah. So... I paid but, 17 Clearly a better businessman.
1: True. But you know what? Neither one of us paid $100 for
0: it. That's so. right. But, but you can certainly find it out on eBay for 100
1: <laughs> Indeed. So that's that's what's in my read pile right now, and I'm going to start reading Bone again. Um, you know, Jeff Smith's Bone. And actually, that reminds me, now is probably a good time to remind everybody,
0: we have a contest going on. Uh, wait, uh, do we? Do we have we, a contest going on? We have multiple contests going on. Wow, okay, wow. It just seems like we've always got some kind of contest going on.
1: We are. We are desperate to give away stuff. Um, and what we're giving away now for our December contest uh, for Funny Books with Aaron and Pauly is if you leave a comment on com or a comment on our iTunes site, uh, which is iTunes, do a search for Ideology of Madness. Um, if you leave a comment on either one of those, you will be entered into a random drawing to win – a signed, limited edition hardcover of R- Jeff Smith's Razzle the Drift. Um, it's the first trade paperback of that collection. It's an oversized um, hardcover, so it's not regular comic-sized. It is beautiful. You know, it, it is a, a great piece to have on your bookshelf, uh, be- especially since it's oversized, and especially since it's signed by Jeff Smith. That is so awesome. And there's only 2,000 of them in existence. But not only that, not only that. You will also get a limited edition print of Razzle, signed by Jeff Smith, and I think there's only 150 of those in existence. Wow. So, great, great package, prize package. All you have to do is comment on ideologyofmadness.com, on any of our episodes of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly that release in December, or comment on our iTunes feed.
0: That is so cool. That is an excellent prize, Paul. I think so. And we also have... Five other excellent prizes we're giving away. Five lucky winners will win a uh, a hardback copy of Malice by Chris Wooding. All you got to do is go on to the website, hit the contact uh, contest link. And go to the malice contest page. There'll be a link in the show notes too. <laughs> uh, and just tell us what monster's living under your bed, and you'll be entered for a chance to win. Paul, you got the book in the mail this week.
1: Yes, I did. I was actually just about to mention that I got the book in the mail yesterday. I I have not read it yet, but I will tell you, it is a beautiful book. Um, you know, and we're giving away five of them, so I, you know, it, it doesn't take much to enter. Go ahead and, you know, enter on ideologyofmanus.com It's definitely worth it.
0: Excellent. The uh, Malice Contest ends, I believe, on Christmas Eve, December 24th. And Razzle
1: ends after the last episode drops
0: this month. So well, lots of well, opportunities to win. And I, I know, you know, we have already been laying down the groundwork for 2010 with some monster awesome prizes. Absolutely. So, you know, we are we are just... Given stuff away here at madness dot com. It's what we've done since the first week or so on, on the website, yeah. and you know we we have just continued more awesome to come in two thousand and ten. Absolutely,
1: but even before two thousand and ten, there is more awesomeness coming to Funny Books with Aaron and Paulie.
0: That you? How could we be more awesome than we already are, Paul?
1: It, it's hard, but we're going to do it. You know, next probably listening to this on Monday, uh, maybe, but this Wednesday. This coming Wednesday, we will have our interview with Jake Parker, who is the creator of Missile Mouse. But not only that, he's worked on a couple of Hollywood films that you may have heard of, like Horton Hears a Who, and Ice Age, and Titan AE. You know, it's a great interview. I think you guys are really going to like it. Yeah,
0: and that drops on Wednesday, December 16th. Wednesday, December 16th.
1: Um, Wednesday, December 23rd, fingers crossed, uh, we will have our interview with Jonathan Lincoln who writes the werewolf cop drama tracker for Top Cow Comics. And uh, that, we said, uh, Wednesday, December 23rd. And, of course, we've got our regular episodes, um, which will be irregular in the coming weeks.
0: Irregular, like we're going to be constipated?
1: A little bit. Little okay. bit. We <laughs> might need to take some uh, some pills. Okay. But, uh, you know, we're going to have uh, some great guest stars. Mm-hmm. And we're going to... We have our Funny Book Awards 2009.
0: That's right. Coming up.
1: So keep listening.
0: That's right. More awesome to come. Well, Paul, (laughs) this was fun this week.
1: It was. It was. So thank you, everybody, for joining. (laughs) And we will talk to you next
0: week. (laughs) See you later. (laughs) Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com.